Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like them apples, Gilmore? And after 22 years, Raymond Hello and welcome to a surprise episode of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Good morning or afternoon or evening or night or whatever time of day it is. I'm Steph, he's Earl. Hey Earl. How's it going? Um, I figured that we would be... About as prepared for the show as we were to hear the news that Patrick Waugh is leaving the Colorado Avalanche. Um, what was your reaction when you first saw that news come through? It was interesting because I'd been away from the computer for about an hour, and it's August, so that usually means about three or four tweets, and there was like 168. <laughs> it's like, what, what happened? <laughs> and I just, you know... I mean, there was a there was an initial shock. I, I'm not really surprised it actually happened. Um, and the more you think about it, the less of a surprise it is. But um, you know, it, it's just not something you expect to to find out on any given day that the head coach is bolted. Yeah, I was um, I was actually at my computer, so I saw it come through, um, and I saw the the TV Osport tweet first. Um, and because I am a plebeian who uses the main Twitter client, um, like the website client, yeah. it, you can actually, you know, click on this little icon that says translate. Sure. And it does an okay job of giving you the idea of what is trying to be conveyed, and the word resigned was in there. Yeah. Uh, and I just said, what? <laughs> yeah, because the, then you're wondering, he signed a contract extension, or? No. No, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if, if you listen to the BSN podcast, AJ kind of had the exact same reaction where he saw a French word that he thinks means quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was really out of the blue as far as things you expected to maybe be happening from now until training camp. Right. Um, but, <clears throat> again, it's, if you just sort of, you know, if you contemplate what what went on, basically all of the past year, uh, you can really put together a case that it's not a big surprise, and that what he was saying is is you know fairly close to what he was thinking. Uh, you know, it, it it was not a good year. They had about a, a nice thirty game stretch uh, during mid November to early January, let's say. But other than that, it was, you know, it, it was a pretty ineffective year for, for the coaching staff. And, and at the end of the year, when, when it just, you know, he kept blaming the players, blaming the players, and, and it just, you know, that, that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And, and you know, they were wondering if, if he was going to end up questioning himself, and, and maybe he that's what happened over the past month. That's not what he says happened over the past month, although it is possible there's some of it there. I, I don't think that Patrick Wall would ever admit to such publicly. Um, no, that's, that's he, was think, just, he was thinking about quitting. I'm not saying he questioned what he did. Okay. Because um, <laughs> in the statement, he gives us a reason. He says, um, he, I've thought long and hard over the course of the summer about how I might improve this team to give it the depth it needs and bring it to a higher level. Ugh, excuse me. To achieve this, the vision of the coach and the VP hockey operations needs to be perfectly aligned with that of the organization. He must also have a say in the decisions that impact the team's performance. 
these conditions are not currently met. Which tells me that the, uh, the VP of hockey operations job that he got packaged with his head coach title, that he said wasn't that big of a deal, that he said he would have taken the job you know, without it, uh, that was a load of crap. Well, I, <clears throat> I, I think yes, but I, I also think I, I think he had a say in what went on. I mean, I just, I, I, I think he was just getting outvoted. You know, he was saying we need to do this, and, and you know, the other people at the table are saying, look, you know, if we do that, we have to do this and this, and that's really going to hurt the team long term. I mean, you know, we, you can ask us to figure out another way to do it, but you know, we're looking at the same things here, and what you're asking just isn't possible. You know, and, and and what I'm referring to is is moves like you know signing Rattle off and you know getting rid of one of the core players for some other defenseman. Um, and we know they looked at those things all summer. We know there were deals with Barry and and perhaps Landeskog and Deshane as well. I mean, they really did look at all those things, and it just I think it just looked to you know Sackick and McFarland that these weren't going to help the team in the long run. Right. It was never one deal in a vacuum. It was always going to be, um, you know, multiple deals because you would have to, like, t to give up one of your core forwards, you then had to get back another core forward, right? Or sign Rattle Or yeah. sign Rattle Well, signing Rattle off, I don't think was ever going to happen. Um, well, if, let's say you trade Barry or Duchesne for futures. Tra trading Barry to Edmonton for Hall or Dreisaitl like they were trying to do, then maybe. But, then you, but you mean, you're still taking back... If it's Hall, you're taking back quite a bit of cash. If it's Dreisaitl, maybe you have some room. Because um, that's an ELC guy. <clears throat> but for the most part, I mean, if if Barry and Duchesne are both abs, Rattleoff is not. Yeah. No, there's just... The, there wasn't the room. Um, you know, and... But you know, I hate that for Patrick. You know, as a coach, it's his job to to basically take what you've got and win with it anyway. I mean, I, you know, yeah, it's tough luck not getting the exact same team you wanted, but um, you know, he he knew he wasn't very effective with the crew that was there, and you know, although there have been some, I'd say they're greater than subtle, but less than big changes over the summer in the in the roster. Um, but he didn't have success with those guys, and I guess he just didn't feel like there's any chance of that going forward. So, <clears throat> I mean, that's you know, that that's a tough deal for him. Yeah, but it's better that he did this now than getting 14 games into the season and being, you know, three wins and and that's it, and and just saying I, I just can't take this anymore. Yeah, and 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 we'll get to the timing of it. Um, but I I'm interested in what you what you were talking about with the, the off season moves being you know somewhere in between minor and moderate. Um, definitely no big splashes. Um, and then with with Patrick's statement saying that he just no just you know wasn't having enough as you know the input that he wanted to have. I'm I mean the Avalanche have been. Where there's smoke, with there's fire in on Patrick Weirkoch for years. Yeah. So it can't have been zero percent of Waz guys this summer. Right. I mean, 
I, I would I would consider that for him, he probably looks at that as, you know, just basically another Redmond. You know, another. I'm not saying you know like 22 slash Redmond, but just you know another guy. <laughs> um, but you know, maybe he didn't like Tootin. Um, you know, I I think you could go either way with that. I, I think it's going to take you know seeing him on the ice for a little while to really you know get an impression of of how he can help the team. It might be you know a, a good deal, or it might be not at all. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think Patrick's problem was that <clears throat> he felt he needed, you know, different key pieces to to get the team where it needed to be. Um, and that didn't happen. You know, it, it, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure all that we heard over the summer with all these possible trades, I mean, there, you know, there were definitely some discussions going on with other teams and apparently... He was probably all for that. It's um, with, with some of the other reporting that's come out over the last couple of days about sort of a rift in direction between him and the rest of the front office, it's not that difficult to imagine a scenario where this is, you know, evidenceless speculation here. Um, but it's not hard to imagine a scenario where Patrick is the one doing most of the calling on a Tyson Berry type deal, and then he cannot sell the rest of the front office on it. I can't. I don't, and and that's see, I, I, and that's when Sackett comes out and publicly says, look, we're, we're Tyson <coughs> Berry's going to be here. I, I just don't see Patrick being that involved in, in actual hands-on, you know, dealing with other teams like that. I, maybe maybe he was. I don't know. That's, that's the first time I've really thought of it, but it just – it seems to me that over the past year or two years that, you know, he's basically been involved with personnel decisions by being in the room and saying yay or nay or I like this deal or let's pursue this deal. But, um, you know, I never got the impression that he was actually, you know, like negotiating contracts or talking to other teams about players. Um, so that's an interesting point. I don't know. Do you think Barry was the uh, kind of the last straw for him to where he's decided this team isn't going the direction I want it to go? I mean, the timing says it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to make a case for anything else, you know? I mean, you know, maybe Nolan Pratt a little bit just because that was, you know, sort of in the same time frame as well. But, and, and you know, that, that can't be a vote of confidence. Um you know, we don't know what, how he feels about Dave Farish and whether Dave Farish was his guy or whether he was, you know, Sackick's guy or anything like that. But if Dave Farish was someone that, that Wall really liked and, and really, you know, thought did a great job, then hiring Nolan Pratt was, that was a kick in the crotch there. Yeah. Um, and I almost kind of wonder... Um, whether anybody saw Nolan Pratt as the, you know, the guy waiting in the wings type, type of assistant to where if things go south, you've got your interim head coach already hired. Or for you. I mean, you, you got to figure like right now they wouldn't be obviously just because they neither of them have any experience. Exactly. But... That's why it's like as the year goes on and Nolan Pratt's getting some of that experience. Yeah. By, fre by February, either one of them could be. Right. Um, you know, 
I wonder if if that was done to put pressure on Patrick to change his ways. Yeah, you, know, you have to believe that. Um, even though they haven't come right out and said it, that they do have some people behind the scenes that aren't listed on the staff page that take a look at, you know, analytics and, you know, the way the team plays statistically. And, and they, you know, they've got to be harping on things like, look, you just, you can't play like this. It will not end well ever. We can't go into next season expecting these same systems and this same way of playing to change for anything but massive downturn. Right. Um, you cannot try to make every break out a stretch pass for a whole, another full season. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think part, I think part of this was that, um, you know, there was a discussion with Patrick saying, you know, th- these are things that have to change about the team. How are you going to perform this? And, you know, his, his response might have been, well, get some new players. And that's probably an abrupt end of the conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, that that might be where the rest of the front office says, we've, we've gotten new players. I mean, this is the roster we've put together here. Yeah. I mean, we're a million below the cap. What do you want us to do? I mean, this is this is what we have to spend, and we spent it. You know, I, I, I don't know what else we could have done. I mean, you know, you're the coach. Coach these guys, get, you know get them statistically where they can compete in the league. And, you know, he didn't, he just didn't have an answer for that. I mean, I, I really think that's a bigger part of it than people are saying. I mean, you know, I realize relinquishing some control personnel wise is is tough, but, you know, I, I think there was pressure on him to perform as a coach and he didn't have the answers for that. I think the ideal role for the coach and in the, personnel player personnel kind of arena is to you know tell his team he or his his team being his organization here's how i you know i want to play give me the players that will fit that system here's the kind of guy i'm looking for um and so that with patrick having more of a role than that with his title alone um you've got to think that there's a real split between the way that he wants to play and the way that the others want to play. Well, what if it's, you know, what if he's saying like, I think we should trade Barry for Jack Johnson. (laughs) Then then we can call him Brian Burke. You know, I mean, if, if those were the kind of things he was saying, I mean, I I don't know how you respond to that. If you're in the room, I mean, you say, uh, Patrick, no, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) We already have the better Johnson. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I get that there are certain qualities about certain players that, that Patrick might want that may fit his system better, but you can't do that to the detriment of the overall talent level of the team. And you just you can't give away valuable players for less valuable players. Right. <clears throat> so, so, um... <laughs> You mentioned the timing. Um, it is obviously the middle of 100-degree, god-awful summer. Um, it is after a, several of the coaching hires that everyone looked forward to have already been made. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, at Bruce Boudreau, for example, um, who is signed with the wrong team in the worst rivalry in pro sports. <laughs> and... But it's and there's only what five weeks, six weeks to the training camp. 
When did Boudreaux sign? Did you look that up? Um, I actually did not look that up. I'm going to search for it right now. Boudreaux it, it, Wild. It was quite early. I think it might have been May. Was it still during the playoffs? Yeah, it was definitely in May. Yeah, because the... <clears throat> oh, wait, the Ducks... How far did the Ducks go? I can't... The, the Ducks... I think they lost in the first round, didn't they? No, Minnesota sure did, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, all right. That was that was relatively early. That was definitely before, you know, free agency and the draft. Right, right. That was, that was well in place before that. Right. Um, and I want to say that Mike Yo going to St. Louis. You know, that was later, obviously, because St. Louis went further in the playoffs. But um, I, I think St. Louis will suit Mike Yo pretty well. I do too. That's a scummy team for a scummy guy. Great place for both. To the team and him, um, but I, you know, I don't honestly think the Abs, even if this had happened in May, would have looked at Bruce Boudreaux. Um, just, just too much bad blood there. No, I just I don't think I don't think that that's the kind of coach that they would be looking to hire after Patrick. I think what I, I think Joe had it right. I think they want someone who's young who can communicate with the players, and that's. Um, you know, sort sort of not a, an entrenched NHL coach, someone that's going to have some fresh ideas. Okay. Uh, not that Boudreaux would do a bad job. I don't think he would. I, I don't know if he'd communicate as well right off the bat, and I I think that he would want to make a lot of other changes as far as getting rid of you know the staff members all around the organization and, and players and things like that. Right. Um, you know, I think that's that's part of why. A, a younger coach is, is desirable at this point just because they need a coach and they don't need an entourage with it. They don't need someone who's going to want to make a lot of changes right off the bat. So, um, you know, having, having someone that's, that's happy to be there and just get to work is, is appealing. Well, I mean, that's also kind of what the timing has handcuffed the team with. Like they don't have a whole lot of options. It's going to be who's, who they can, you know, pull away from another team which yeah. is going to be assistants and lower-level coaches because yeah. teams generally don't, you know, not allow you to talk to those guys. With the yeah. reason being they want to be able to talk to your guys if they want, so. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's not a great time of the year to be doing this, but I don't think, I mean, obviously, I don't think a month ago would have made a difference. Like, if Patrick had done this a month ago, the, the same guys are still, you know, available, unavailable. Yada yada. I mean, it's you know, unless he had done this like two, two and a half months ago, that's when it would have made a difference as far as timing. So, um, once you get past July first, it's pretty much you're in the same boat until training camp. But at least they have a few weeks before training camp to figure out which direction they're going to go and find a guy. Well, I, I mean, I think once you hire the guy, I I don't think it's. I don't think there's a ton of work. I mean, it's not like you have to, you know, design a system from the ground up. I mean, basically, the the new guy has to get to know the roster and figure out how what he wants to do is going to work with those guys. And, and you know, that honestly doesn't take that much time. Yeah. So, um, with all of this that taken into consideration, um, are you feeling like? Does this make you feel? Uh, better or worse for the upcoming season? Um, 
I'm going to say cautiously optimistic. I mean, it really depends on who they get. You know, I mean, what if they hire Dallas Eakins? I mean, then, then I'll be mopey and I won't have much hope. But, <laughs> you know, if you if you look at the guys that are sort of being thrown around as some of the younger names, um, you know, I, I think that, I, I think, that, you know, that this could be a good thing and, and you know, it, it could really improve the avalanche as far as what they need to be doing on the ice. Um, you know, I just Patrick, you, you look at what happened last year, and it's they started so bad. I mean, preseason, you know, they scored five goals in the first game, and then they scored one goal the whole rest of the preseason. They started off just terrible in the first 14 games. Uh, they couldn't score, and then they opened the ice up for some reason. And they started started scoring like mad, <laughs> um, but the other team started scoring as well. Right, and then they started supporting a breakout. Yeah, and, and then, then they finally they they put in the trap. Yeah, know, and goal. when they did that, they inexplicably, inexplicably stopped supporting the breakout. Well, the trap. I mean, when they put in the trap, they were fantastic defensively. I mean, I was going through the you know, by game numbers. I mean, in December they were, they only let in 2.2 goals per game. And that's fantastic. Um, they just was, weren't moving it the other way. Yeah. That, well, what that did is it, it ended up making it more difficult to move the puck forward. I mean, they started off a team that couldn't score. Then they went bananas for a little while. And then they basically ended up where they started by the end of the season. Right. And, I, and a, a lot of what that says to me is that, he couldn't make changes whether, you know, I'm not going to speculate why, but he wasn't able to counter what other teams were doing to the Avs on a sort of week-by-week -week basis or maybe, you know, a month-by-month -month basis. Um, you know, they, he sort of ran out of tricks in, in early January. You kind of think the home record might um, reflect some of those struggles because that's where the the home team gets advantage on having last change. They can come up with the matchups they want, and uh, it seemed like Patrick was more looking towards putting best on best than looking for favorable matchups. Yeah. Well, it's just he didn't do different stuff. You know, it's like he always did that. That was predictable. I mean, if you're the other coach, you're like. If I put these guys out, he's definitely putting these guys out, and then I can counter that with this move later. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, um, you know, I, I just think there were a lot of bad tactics, and, and nothing changed. So, um, and then we heard about his freak out late in the season, and maybe he might have lost some of the team buying into what he was selling. You know, late in the season when he freaked out on him, and you know, turned from the partner of the players to trying to be a hard guy for the last 15 games that really backfired i mean it's just you know i think he was out of things to try and it you know i think it dawned on him a couple of weeks ago that you know the, the same situation's in place you know what am i going to do to get these guys to play correctly and he came up with nothing right said well i'm not going to go put myself in that situation again and i better get out now while i still can yeah did you hear the Eric Johnson interview? I did, yeah. I, I, Eric Johnson, if you've missed it, did an interview with Altitude Sports Radio where he talked about Patrick Waugh leaving and sounded completely gutted. Um, for I mean, you can for plenty of reasons you can imagine, he really credits Patrick Waugh with helping his career in a big way. Um, he also said that ninety percent of the team was his was his quote 
uh, loved playing for the guy. Um, so did, was there much do you think that we could take away from that? It sounds like they liked him too much. Um, you know, it, it, the tough part about, you know, being a, a coach like that, being a player's coach like that, is, is when it comes time that you need to take a different tack. You, you can't just suddenly, you know, start being a hard guy about things because you've been the partner for, you know, two and three quarter years. And suddenly you're yelling at guys for the same things that you weren't yelling about, you know, a month ago or two months ago or two years ago. That's just confusing. It just sort of, it makes the coach look like he's lost it. And I truly believe all the guys in the room like Patrick and they're going to miss him a lot. But I think they were, you know, they, they probably needed something from him that he wasn't giving either. You know, they needed some discipline and they needed some direction and it just doesn't sound like it, that was there for the last three months of the season. Right. And and you can maybe kind of see that as they backed out of the worst playoff race in history. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it, it all started in early January when EJ got hurt. You know, they started making personnel moves. That's when they put Gennon on waivers. That's when they got rid of Gormley. That's when they picked up Chucky on waivers and, you know... They started messing around with stuff. I think Patrick was probably at that point asking for something. Like, hey, you know, get get me a, a real defenseman here. You know, I, I don't, you know, I think he likes Zadaroff, but I, I don't think he wanted to play him at that point. And he should have. He definitely should have. And, <clears throat> I mean, and he may have also said, and we need someone who can score goals, hence the Bodker train. Yeah. Um, so I... You know, maybe, maybe they were sort of setting him up to fail. Like, all right, we'll we'll play it your way for, you know, this this uh, trade deadline. You know, we'll trade away some futures and and we'll get you some guys like, you know, Matthias and and Botker and you know, you go win yourself a you know playoff spot. And it didn't happen. And that sort of gives them an out at the end of the season, saying, look, you know, we we did it your way and it didn't work. So you've got to change yourself to get this team playing better. It's not going to change with different guys. Yeah. Well, um, I kind of have the same sort of feeling on it that you do. I'm also sort of cautiously optimistic. Um, I'm fully expecting the first couple of weeks of the season to be rough because um, you're going to have to remember this is a team that's adjusting to a whole new way of doing things. Rough isn't bad or rough isn't inconsistent? Uh, both. Yeah, um, there's there's a chance that they could go on a couple of streaks that just look awful because they're still trying to play a new way. Yeah. Um, but then there's a couple of and there's, there'll be you know and hopefully an equal number, but also some other streaks where they where it all clicks and things look good. Yeah. And hopefully they've got in the right guy who will bring in the right stuff, the right systems and ideas and way of playing, and uh, those good streaks will happen and the team will be able to to put together a nice run this season. Do you think that if they brought in someone who is, you know, a, not not a not a yeller or a screamer, but a disciplined guy, you know, someone that that's like this is how we play, this is where you know this is what you need to be doing when this is happening on the ice, um, you know, with this roster, do you, how much of a how much of an upswing do you think they could have if they really played a disciplined game like that? I don't know. 
And, yeah. I, and I mean, we're, that's going to be something we'll have to just wait and see. Because I don't know how much they were actually following the a discipline system before. Doesn't seem like much. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like they were doing, you know, it, if, if they were following orders, then the orders were chaotic. Yeah. And that's the, the biggest indictment I think that we can have on that, on the Patrick Waugh coaching era was we weren't quite sure what they were doing most of the time. And why did he have to whistle for line changes? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can understand, you know, a couple times a game, every coach does it. But, you know, whistling for line change just says to me that, you know, you're, you're not getting something across in practice or at films or whatever. Like, you know, you need to be changing now. So, you know, I don't have to whistle to get you guys off the ice. You know, it's like, I mean, most, most, most hockey players have an internal clock. They know when it's time to get off the ice. And it just did, you know... Maybe it's a minor point, but it just you know it, it throw it on the pile. It just it's a, it's another thing that you wondered why he had to do that. Yeah, I don't think it's minor. Let's jump up. Let's jump into three up and three down. Let's, the the three things that we don't like. <laughs> that's a for that one's a big one for me too because he would do that goddamn dog whistle at yeah. the most inopportune times. Like we've got it, it's been a pretty extended shift in in the avalanche zone in but they have the puck with control they're coming up three on two yeah they're gassed but someone can go you know yeah, you can carry it carry it in get a pass off the pads you know maintain yeah. possession and change behind them but then he whistles and they just dump and now That's, you're back on defense yeah i mean it's the anti-corsi whistle i mean i, I bet that i bet that aspect alone it was probably worth you know a couple of percentage points because it just, every time you did it, it just went from possession to giving it away. You know? I mean, maybe they don't do much with it, but still, you have a better chance of doing something with it when you carry it in and just, you know, rip it at the goalie for hell's sake. Yeah. yeah. As long as you have two guys going into the zone want to carry it, you can make something good happen. You know, you can change guys behind the play like that. You don't need to whistle for everyone to just get off the ice. I mean, it's just uh, frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll I'll add a, a moment to our bottom three here, um, which is call uh, when he was calling out Duchesne's thirtieth goal celebration. I kind of felt like that was unnecessary. Yeah. I, I mean, I put that all in with going from being you know, a player's coach to a hard guy in the space of 10 minutes kind of thing. I mean, it just, you know, he flip-flopped on that so quickly. It just, it, one reason it was so horrifying is because you just wouldn't have expected that. Right. That, that's why I was, that, that was a reason that it was such a low yeah. point for me is I was just like, wait a minute, hang on. Yeah. The, the, the Patrick, while we've come to know, says, I, I don't like it, but it's not a big deal. Yeah. No, he, you know, he went from defending his guys tooth and nail to just throwing them under the bus and you're just like what are you doing yeah um i don't know if you've got a third one but my third one would be the go the way the goalies were handled okay um you know i really think that i i mean i, I really think the way that he did it didn't benefit varley or calvin just in the way that he would just just ride varley like a 
you know, until he was dead, and then put Calvin in after not working for three weeks. And it just, you know, you're getting the worst of both worlds there. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can I can definitely fall in line on that one. Um, because, I mean, we know that he was kind of modeling the way that he handled the goaltenders after his own career, which you would expect a goaltender to do that. Yeah. Um, but you would also kind of expect a guy like Patrick Waugh to understand that he's an, on another level. And you can't just ride a guy like that. Yeah, I, I mean... I mean, there and there are times when he would, you know, they, they let Calvin play and then or or, or Reto, and then they, they keep playing him. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, let's ride that guy now. <laughs> You're just, you know, and I, I'm sure you know a lot of that's Francois Allaire, but, um, you know, I, I think it's good to have a schedule and stick with it. I mean, you know, hot goaltender is going to be a hot goaltender no matter what. You know, I don't. I don't think if he takes a day off, he's going to become less hot. You know, unless there's an all-star break or you know six-day break like you never have anymore. I mean, right? Even with even what they were saying a little while ago that that Calvin was probably going to get around you know twenty-five, thirty starts this year. I mean, that's a great way to play. Yeah, you got both guys fresh, but it just you know playing some guy twenty starts in a row and then playing your backup. I mean, it just uh, makes no sense. Yeah, it only makes sense if they're nursing a minor injury, which they have, because he's played every night for three weeks. Right. <laughs> so, what are what are some of the your uh, the, the favorite things that, of yours that happened under Coach Wall? I mean, I you know I I feel bad for dwelling on on the first season, but I mean that was a magical season. You know, we'll always have that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the team was just. You know, for the first time in, in forever. I mean, yeah, they had made the playoffs a few years previous, but especially coming off how terrible that lockout year was, um, it was just fantastic. You know, they scored. They could defend well enough. You know, I, I realized that, you know, their, their shooting metrics were poor, but, um, I mean, they had the lead all the time. It's like, you know, every first period they scored. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The season that gave us the partition bump, the season yeah. that gave us uh, the balls on the table quote, the, the season that gave us... Uh, why not us? Why not us, which I particularly enjoyed because everyone, every other team in the league hated it so much. Mm-hmm. Hated it so much that during the playoffs it was not just wild fans saying anyone but them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> Let's face it, if you're a team with the record that the Avs have over the past decade, it's nice to have a season like that to, to look back on. Um, one of my positives from the from the era is uh, kind of the way that the attitude and culture of the team changed. I mean, it went from... You could pretty much just expect that the Avalanche were going to go out and roll over when they were on a hit in skids, you know, yeah. basically every night. To, this is a team that's going to, they're not going to do it very well, but they're going to compete. Yeah. Well, I remember, what was that, the, the year Landy was drafted. It's like, you just, I mean, you knew they weren't going to win every night. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the only, the only redeeming quality of the Landeskog season was 
Andy Duro of BSN now, her photoshops every single game of obligatory goal number one and number two and number three scored on Brian Elliott of, you know, the the tank featured in every game day photo. Like, Good old little tank. That, that, t- that series of photoshops kept me going that season. Otherwise, I don't know how I would have paid any attention. Yeah, um, you know that it it, it 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 was a great change of attitude. I mean, I, the last year Saka was there, it just uh, you could just feel the drudgery coming off the ice from the players for having to play for him. I mean, it. <clears throat> I mean, we all suspected it was awful, and they, you know, they dodged it a little bit, but they they pretty much let it be known that playing for Joe Sacco in the last year was just horrendous. Yeah. I mean, this. Did, were they doing the bang bang dance before Patrick came? I don't remember. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's you know, it was it was a great change of culture there. Just to you know, I mean even even when things weren't going great last year, I mean you just you never got that feeling of just hopelessness and despair. Yeah, even when they were totally just throwing it into reverse at the end of the year, it wasn't because they had thrown it in. It wasn't because they didn't care anymore. It was just because they weren't good. Yeah, um, you know, it's just that they were they were hampered, but they were trying, and you know, they they wanted to do better so bad, but it just <clears throat> so that was a great change. Um. Yeah, I don't know how much Patrick had to do with it, but the way things sort of changed as far as an attitude throughout the whole organization, as far as let's make this an organization rather than just a team that has a few players in the minors. Um, yeah, the focus on the uh, on development in the in the minors was very very welcome. Yeah, and you know I, I have my doubts on how much Patrick actually wanted guys from the minors playing on the, the abs, but, um, you know, he, 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 he wanted that team to succeed in San Antonio or Lake Erie, wherever it may be. But, um, you know, it's, it was just good to have a coach that, that cared about that. Cause he, I mean, you know, Sacco didn't, obviously he didn't have the same powers that, that Wall supposedly had as far as, you know, personnel moves and all that. But, um, you know, he, he didn't seem to care where the players come from. Just, you know, we just have a team here and that's what we do. Yeah. Um, I definitely have a moment in mind. I don't know if you do or not because I didn't prepare you for this question. Uh, what's going to be the one thing that you remember the most from Patrick Waugh's tenure as coach? <clears throat> I don't I mean, I hate to say it. I, you know, at the first game against the Ducks, um, you know, you just again coming off that really awful lockout season, you just didn't know. I mean, you know, you figured Patrick would would give the team some energy, and, and the personnel was a little better. We had Mac and everything like that. But everything that happened in that game, you know, like Mac almost getting need and guys going after him, like Perry squirting water bottles of people and Cody going after him. And then, you know, Patrick pushing the partition down on Boudreaux. 
I mean, that, that set the tone for that whole year. <clears throat> yeah, that's steal yours. <laughs> you, you did. That's mine too. Um, and I, the reason that I didn't is it telling that that's the, the, what we both thought of. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's what a lot of people are going to think of. Whether whether you're like me and believe it was orchestrated or not, that the knocking over the partition and him eventually getting fined for that um, is was the moment where he proved to the team, you know, I am with you guys. Yeah, and we we may have never seen another moment like that again, but that he may not have believed that he needed to. Well, I I think he might have. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> we maybe uh, could have used another five thousand dollars for the NHL somewhere, but I don't know how much of a difference it would have made. Well, I mean, I I don't think you need to do things that grandiose as a coach with any regularity, but I I, I think. Just, I don't know, as a, as a fan in the stands or watching on television, you know, you want to see some fire like that. And, I mean, he got pissed on some calls and things like that. And, you know, I mean, he wasn't just a, a mindless droid like Sacco was. But, um, you know, it just it, it didn't seem like the fire was there this past season. You know, you're, you kept looking for that moment, something to fire the team up in a positive way. And it... You know, it just wasn't around. I mean, I'm not sure the opportunity was there. <clears throat> oh, well. Oh, well. So that puts a nice bow on Patrick Waugh taking his balls off the table and going home. A <laughs> um, couple of other things have happened, and it wasn't. that's not the only thing that's happened. I mean, how much do you like the Tyson Berry deal? I like it a lot. Um I go back and forth whether five years would have been better than four, but I think probably given what they were working with as far as the salary cap, the fifth year might have put that high enough that, that they really had zero flexibility instead of the, the very little that they have now. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I think four was the sweet spot. Um, you know, I, I'm glad he's going to stick around with the team. Yeah. I, I think it's a good deal for both sides. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I don't see it as team friendly or or you know player friendly. I think it's a good deal for both guy, both the both sides in that deal, and uh, um, you know we're we're gonna get to enjoy them for at least three and a half more years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and in other avalanche news, uh, um, announced on Friday, and something that's probably sneaking past a lot of people because of the Patrick Watt thing, is the uh, Colorado Avalanche are going to host a rookie showcase with the Anaheim Ducks and the San Jose Sharks at none other than Westminster Promenade. We don't know if C6 will be there looking for a fight, but he could be. Um, so that's something that many other teams around the league do. They'll do little mini rookie tournaments. Um, you know, they, I know the Toronto, the, uh, Ontario teams will often do that. Um, Toronto and, and Ottawa, um, they'll, they'll do it in California regularly. So this will be cool. It's on September 17th through 19th. Um, it's a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and both of Colorado's games are on the weekend. So yeah, I think 1 p.m. on Saturday, 2 p.m. on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you got that backwards. Okay. Two on Saturday, <laughs> one on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I was lukewarm to the idea of having this before they announced it, but 
Um, you know, there, there's definitely some good points to it. Um, I was under the impression that they scrimmaged a lot more than, than I guess they actually do during preseason. And trying to evaluate players like this, um, you know, when you've only got them for a couple of weeks in the case of uh, the junior guys, you know, it's nice to be able to leave an impression in a, in a game situation, in a competitive game situation. You know, when you're not trying to win a scrimmage, really, but, you know, you are going to try to beat the, the, the Sharks rookies and the Ducks rookies. So, I, you know, I think it's a good showcase. Yeah. And that's what they've called it, is the rookie showcase. Yeah. Um, so if you're in the Westminster area, you should definitely check that out. It's going to be free to, and open to the public. Um, at the uh, at the ice center at the promenade, so you can imagine that there's not a whole lot of seating available. Actually, there's 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 a, a, a decent amount from what I hear. Pro probably enough for this event. Hope so. The press release does say it's very limited, though. Um, I don't know whether that's something that's going to be streamed at all. Hope so. I doubt it. I doubt it as well, but we can always hope. Yeah, I mean. I, I, you know, I could see like Ryan Boulding putting a periscope of, of some of it up there or something like that. Oh, and then we can cheer for video lock error. Yeah. Um, what, what I think would be nice is if the abs took like one camera and maybe made a highlight reel out of it. That might be fun. I mean, um, but you know, to get to get a, a flavor for the whole evening or whole afternoon, I, you know, we'll have to rely on our friends that end up making it there. Yeah, our, our our local media, which neither of us are gonna are gonna be able to describe ourselves as anytime soon. No, but they'll there'll be plenty of of our good friends there. So yeah, we're we're not too far. I mean, it's it's August, but we're not too far from competitive hockey. We got the World Cup coming up soon. We've got this rookie thing coming up soon. When when does the World Cup start? I you, I knew you were gonna ask that. World Cup of hockey. Well, because they, they have preseason games that I, I, I had no idea they were going to do. I, <clears throat> I forget where the real games are happening, but I think the USA plays a couple in Columbus. Um, September 17th through October 1st, I believe. That's how long the World Cup lasts? I'm pulling up the schedule right now. Because... Yeah, from September 17th to October 1st. Huh. It's a two-week tournament. Huh. Because veterans report on the 22nd. Right. Um, but Colorado do have a few guys that are going to be on World Cup rosters. <coughs> um, do, do you have the schedule in front of you? I did briefly, and then I closed it. Is, is it like... Do they play like a regular schedule, or is it like they play on a weekend and then the next weekend, or you know? Let's see. The preliminary round is September seventeenth through twenty second. Um, each team will play its three group opponents in a round robin. Yeah. The U.S. and Canada are both in Group A with the Czech Republic and Team Some of Europe. <laughs> team the rest of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> group. <laughs> Group B includes Team Finland, Team Russia, Team Sweden, and Team, you know, F the Man. That's your young North American players, and definitely my rooting interest here. 
The U.S. and Canada play on Tuesday the 20th, and Finland plays Sweden the same day. Oh, that'll be a good day. Yeah. The semifinals are on the 24th and 25th, and then the final is a best of three, September 27th, 29th, and if necessary, game three on October 1. That's weird. Sportsnet, TVO Sports, and ESPN. That's that, I mean, that's kind of weird that they do a spread out uh, three-game final like that right in the middle of training camp. Yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting, though, because, um, I mean, it's not like it'll only be two teams, right? So I don't know how exactly the playoff bracket's going to square up, but it may not I mean no, no team should be without too many guys. It's just semis and then finals? Right. I, well, so I mean, I'm not sure. I There's a broadcast schedule, but look, yeah. it's not super clear. And we, and we might do a preview show for that. Well, you figure, you know, two, guys, two, two teams from each bracket advance to the semis, and then you have the finals. Yeah. So Colorado have uh, Matt Duchesne on Team Canada. And they have... Uh, Team Team North America's got Nathan McKinnon, which that's a devastating forward core. Oh yeah, they're gonna be huge. Sean Couturier, Jonathan Drouin, Jack Eichel, Johnny Gaudreau, Dylan Larkin, Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, J.T. Miller, Sean Monahan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Brandon Saad, and Mark Shifley. Wonder if Monahan will be signed by then. Who knows. <laughs> Don't think he'll be going if he isn't. (laughs) (laughs) And then Eric Johnson will be with Team USA's defense. Landy's with Sweden, right? Landy is with Team Sweden, I believe. Um, We've got Mikkel Bodker, who's no longer with the Colorado Avalanche, but that's how it's listed in here. Sure. As a Team Sum of Europe. Um, What else we got here? Yeah, Team Sweden, uh, Carl Soderberg. Varley's not with the Ruskies. Gabriel Landeskog. And then we got Team Russia, which does feature Simeon and Varlamov in net. <clears throat> so that's a pretty hefty slice of our roster. That's a big slice of ours, yeah. Um, but it's a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of top guys that hopefully are going to be able to pick up the system quickly. Right. Um, and it's on, let's see... It's on five different teams, so at least one of them (laughs) won't make it. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's really only on four different teams, because one of those five was Bodker. Oh, okay. I don't know why he still says Colorado. Let me see. When did this article go up? Ah, July 20th. Oh, there's five teams. There's Russia, Sweden, USA, Canada, and rest of North America. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So this will be fun, and we'll uh, we'll we'll put together a preview closer to the event. I think it's I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm interested to see how ESPN does in a situation like that because they they haven't done anything relevant in a long time hockey wise. I mean, no, they haven't. Best regards to the Frozen Four and everything, but um, you know that. It's kind of interesting that they got let back in for this, and you know, you you would assume are a major partner in making this happen. So right, 
not not wild about their announcing crew, but who's the who's the announcing crew? I think it's I think it's Butchie and Melrose. Hmm. I don't I don't know if that's official, but well, the overtime challenge might be making it through Butchie and Melrose. (laughs) They had a few other guys. I know Alan Bestwick did some work for the college stuff. He he used to be a NASCAR announcer. Huh. He's he's from Rhode Island though, so um, and he still plays hockey. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah, I'm, if they, I'm curious. I, I I think I I think they're really gonna want to do a good job on it. Uh, contrary to sort of the last year that they had the NHL, low those many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the coolest sport on earth days. <laughs> that was some kind of marketing campaign. <laughs> oh. Well, you're never going to beat Peter Puck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never going to beat Peter Puck. All right. So, I think that pretty much covers the month of August. Uh, hopefully, nobody else decides to just kind of fuck off and we can. Go about our business and you know well, continue our we'll hockey a, vacation. Hopefully, we'll have a new coach like real soon. <laughs> yeah, my my, I'm as far as the podcast goes. I'm thinking that when we do our World Cup preview episode, that can also be our let's meet the new coach episode. Yeah, hopefully by then he's been able to make it to Denver. Maybe you know g- give a few interviews so we know where he's coming from. And yeah, meet with some of the guys and. And I mean, we don't expect Saki to, to clean any house either. I mean, these, most of the assistants and like Olaire and stuff are all still under contract, and yeah, it's not like Wall got fired. So, well, I mean, it, it, just just to talk about that for a second, if you look at the makeup of the, the coaching staff as it as it's left right now, um, you kind of need an offensive coach just because you have two defensive coaches and an army who's more or less offensive in, in what he's worked at as far as the Avalanche are concerned? Oh, I mean, you, you say that, but how much are we crediting, like, Tim Army with the def- defensive growth of Mikhail Gorinko? Uh I mean, yeah, all right. I, I think he's a good all-around skills teacher, but, I mean, what he's coached since he's been with the Avalanche the past couple of years has been on the power play. Okay. Um, so... It, you know what? What what you would hope for is a coach that's going to be able to work with the offense rather than the defense. Because I mean, you don't need three defensive coaches. Although it'd be nice to get rid of Dave Farish, and then you don't only have two. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Farish. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on with me on another Sunday evening. It was fun. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the heat that you're telling me you've got going over there. It's actually reasonably cool over here today. Uh, it's supposed to, the, the fever's supposed to break later on this week. I, ours broke yesterday. Yeah. Got some rain, it didn't melt, and it was nice, so. Hopefully. It hasn't, it, it, we haven't had anything close to a normal, uh, daily minimum temperature, in a month, <laughs> um, it's you know right right now the the daily minimum should be around sixty three. It, it hasn't been below sixty seven 
in a month. Geez, a couple of weeks ago we were lucky if we got under eighty in the, at night. <laughs> well, so. it's just you know, I, I depend. I, I depend on sixty three degrees in the morning to you know just cool off the house so I don't have to use air conditioning all the time. But. Yeah, well, it's a little more humid over there too. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, this is the worst summer I've ever been through here. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's uh, not the worst summer for any of you, and uh, that's I think that's going to be it for today. Thanks for tuning in for a random August episode, and I thought I thought it was important to get a little bit of space from this Patrick Waugh thing before we sat down and talked about it, because there's definitely a lot of raw emotion attached to it, a lot of shock, a lot of frustration, a lot of, you know, kind of that raw stuff that yeah, no, can't I mean, really it's... analyze it through that. Yeah, I mean, and, and the sheer volume of things written. I mean, I wanted to write an article, and I oh, know that... I did write an article, and then I did the uh, the blog equivalent of typing a tweet and deleting it, which is that you leave it in draft forever. Yeah, I, I noticed you and Ryan both had stuff up there, and I was like, oh, gee, that would make me, what, eighth article on it? Uh, <laughs> so I think it's better just to talk about it, you know, work it through like that, and, you know, it, it'll be something good to revisit maybe around Christmas time sort of compare how it could have gone versus how it has gone. Yeah, it'll be fun to see where the team's at uh, versus where it was at the same time last year. But in the meantime, uh, we'll look to see you sometime uh, beginning first half of September, we'll call it that way, looking at hopefully the new coach, maybe looking at some training camp, looking at some World Cup of Hockey. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy your summer, have good vacations, try not to die in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> it's better than my normal advice, which is to, uh, you know. Keep your feet on the ground, keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> things like that, yeah. So, thanks guys. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you later. <laughs>